Welcome to Top Brew, the show that is best served fresh. This show's sponsor is Thrasher Coffee. Shop at thrashercoffee.com for fresh roasts. They'll deliver to your door. I am Joe Darnell, and joining me today is my co-host, Mr. Eric Rauch. Good morning, Joe. Uh, good morning. How is your coffee? It's good. It's fresh. It's, it's tasty and fresh, yes. It's uh, keeping me alive. It is. And awake and alert. I was on the end of all of my coffee beans at home, and I'm very glad that you could bring some more in for me today. Showed up just in time. Mm, make a time. Speaking of coffee, Eric, I think we want to talk about something that we've indirectly addressed before that really excites me about our hot beverages. It's one of those things that evades a lot of people when they have an experience with coffee and their day-to-day routine. We're going to talk about coffee flavors, what you can expect from coffee flavors. You know, it's sort of mysterious to a lot of people. Don't you agree? Um, I mean, it tastes like freedom. That's <laughs> what coffee, coffee tastes, tastes like, like coffee. to me. Yeah, of course, coffee tastes like coffee. But yeah, it, it does. It, there's, um, especially when you do get into, into into specialty coffee, you'll find that there's all sorts of descriptors that that people use. Any anything from fruity, floral to uh, lemongrass to, and, and then you get you know, get even more descriptive than that. Like the pe- it's got a peach flavor, or it's got a like a strawberry note, or Sometimes even like a hop flavor, like the like the hops in beer. What are those kind of trees called? Evergreen. Um, mm, that yeah, yes. that that type of. There's hundreds of of different of different flavors, and I think I don't know how to I don't know how to verify this, but I think they say that that coffee is one of the most complex, kind of like wine. Coffee is the the one of the mo- one of the more complex uh, things that that we that we consume. But interestingly, it's also one of those things that we that we can just take for granted. That we can just drink and and miss all those all those notes if we're not paying attention and and if we don't actually put ourselves to the task of blocking out everything else and just concentrating on what's in our mouth and and trying to trying to recognize you know what are these flavors what what all is going on here in this cup is it sure it tastes like coffee but what does that what does that mean what's what makes this coffee unique what does it have going on in it that that the bean itself has has going on but also what what the roaster has accentuated by the style of roast that he's, that he's done to that bean. You know, it's funny, you brought up wine and you know that wine is actually one of the flavors that coffee can take. Sure. So there's a section here on our, yeah. our wheel we have from Countercultures Coffee. They uh, have the taster's flavor wheel. This is available online and I'll have a link to it in the show notes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something, I mean, it's, it's free. So it's something that, that everybody listening to the show should at least look at and just see what, because it's really difficult to explain other than that. I, I liken it to the, the color wheel you get access to, or you get, um, it reminds me of the wheel on. of wheel of fortune. It's only got like about 400 more tiles on it than say the wheel of wheel of fortune, because it's got uh, broken down into many sections. This is just a great illustration. If, it, if you're curious, I want you to look at this wheel, make sure that you look it up in the show notes because there's really nothing else quite like it. It makes sense of all the confusing descriptions you hear about coffee these days. You know, if you go to a handcrafter, a specialty roaster, or you're talking to a hipster or some coffee enthusiast, you know, oftentimes they're going to toss around terms like, well, this coffee is, it's kind of tea-like and I'm getting uh, notes of sun-dried tomatoes. And I'd say that it's unbalanced, it's sharp, 
got some lingering dirtiness to it. What does that all mean? It, you know, to someone who's inexperienced, I think that that's very intimidating because if you buy a pizza, you could tell the difference between quality fresh ingredients and not so fresh ingredients, but a pizza tastes like a pizza. White flour made into dough mostly tastes like white flour made into dough. You know, sometimes it's just, uh, it, it's more flavorful, but you don't distinguish, hmm, this, this crust is saltier with more of the organic butter. I can tell there's more of the vitamin D sort of quality to it. And am I getting notes of grit and earthiness? You know, no, no, no. It doesn't get complicated like that. Well, I'm sure it probably does. In the in the dough community, in the pizza dough community, they probably are as nerdy about their dough as as we are about our coffee. So I you would know, suspect- I should take that back. But that's a good point. But that but they're a smaller community. It, it, I yeah, should, I should think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the whole point with counterculture putting out this this flavor wheel. First of all, it's it's very educational. Um, it is just to look at it. It's got two two circles, an inner circle and then an outer circle, which, top tier and uh, sub tier like yeah, groupings. Which is yeah, which is like the family and species and genus, right? So this would be like family and the inner wheel would be species, and then the outer wheel would be genus. So you, the inner wheel's a little bit more vague. Mm-hmm. Um, putting it into a, a particular taste family, and then that breaks out into more into more specific flavors. Yeah, so we got nine here, top level flavor groups. We got fruits, chocolates, sweet and sugary, nuts, grains and cereals, roasts, spices, savory, herbs, and vegetables. So in those groupings under, say, like fruits, it covers everything from citrus to grapes to stone fruit to berries and dried fruit. And you could even tell a distinction between the dried fruit and something like the not so dried fruit mm-hmm. aspects, because you know there's a huge difference between you know golden raisins and you know red grapes. Right. It's just interestingly complex how th- this has been uh, refined over years. This is what coffee enthusiasts have brought together. We we can identify these terms if we just pay attention to what we're tasting in the coffee. And so with a little bit of practice, you can identify if you're looking over at the earthy, herby, and vegetable variety, you can tell that maybe this coffee just tastes like something that came out of, you know, that produce department. You have something that seems grassy mm-hmm. or like, you know, sage or mint or reminiscent of black tea. You know, a lot of people I think would confuse the flavor of black tea with something like, um, you know, the smoky flavor we get from a lot of coffees. Right. And that, but that's in a completely different category unrelated to the vegetable variety. And that's the, you know, where you got roasted flavors that are, you know, like carbon and smokiness or burnt sugar. And, And so all these things, it's, it's just very impressive to me how systematic we have gotten at this point in our coffee culture, where you can actually know a coffee very well if you study how it tastes, you know, like if you're a child and you're visiting grandma and grandpa, you usually take some time to, if you're fascinated with your grandparents, like I was as a child, I'd kind of study their faces. I didn't see people with white hair that very often with that many wrinkles that very often. And so as a child, I'd spend a lot of time around my grandfather, just like studying his face and, you know, to like, you know, paint the picture in my head and then remember it later. And then if I was You're asked- You're a peculiar like, man, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am a designer. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Started early on. But the same sort of technique is applied when you're studying your coffee roasts and your, well, your coffee flavors. That's true. Because like I said at the beginning and your, your story with your grandparents, 
you can just look at your grandparents and get a general idea of what they of what they look like. And then there's the level of what 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 you were saying, studying their face and just really getting down into the into the granular level and seeing, you know, what makes that individual or what makes that face unique. Um, yeah, you, like my grandfather, he had blue eyes, but with age, they were fading. Interesting. Yeah. Um, see, most people wouldn't wouldn't take notice of something like that, but that that doesn't that doesn't mean that it's not there, right? Right. So it, it is actually happening. But it's the same way with coffee. If coffee interests you and it's something that you want to study more intently, then this flavor wheel is going to help you do that. It'll give you terms. It'll give you um, a map, so to speak, of how to start exploring the flavors of coffee in, in a very unintimidating way. But then again, you can just make some coffee in the morning, put it in your cup and drink it and, and not study it at all. If it's uh, burned or if it's, a, if it's an offensive flavor, you're going to notice that. But at the same time, if it's just a fairly good cup of coffee and you're just going to drink it and, and go about your day and not think too much about it, you can do that too. But the flavor wheel, and like I said, I, I recommend everybody take a look at it. There's, a, there's another one that has another wheel next to it with defects in it. It's got two wheels on it where you know one's got the flavors that could be potentially be in a in a cup of coffee and then the other one is one that that, that lists out the things that shouldn't be there defects so if you're if you're if you're getting and when, and one of them's always it always always cracks me up it's band-aid you know if you're, if you're getting a band-aid flavor in your coffee that's a defect you know <laughs> oh. you're, you're not supposed to be getting that flavor but that helps you see it from the other side you know here's here's from what the tainted coffee right, versus the right. high quality and that can and that coffees. can be because of of a roast defect or of or of a bean defect from from the farm in, in, or, or from processing or, or you know, a hundred different other things, but those would be considered defects. And then this wheel that, that we're linking to here is uh, ones that aren't defects, that are, that are potential flavors. So in the good flavor variety, if you just want to have an idea of what we're, a better example of what we're describing here, under chocolates, we have dark chocolate, baker's chocolate, bittersweet chocolate, cocoa powder, and milk chocolate. And, you know, if you think about it to yourself, if you have had those chocolates, you can usually tell the differences between them. Mm -hmm. And what's fascinating to me, again, is just that we're talking about coffee. Right. And it can end up with any one of those different flavors. Any one of those. But then within that category, we're just talking about chocolate. So even even chocolate, specific even chocolate itself has different variations of flavor based on how much sugar they put into it. You know, like the difference between milk chocolate and dark chocolate is obviously a, a big taste difference, but ultimately they're both chocolate and nobody would ever say, well, they taste exactly the same. Well, they're both chocolate. Right. Um, I mean, there's a, there's an, an obvious taste difference. Some people don't even like dark chocolate. They prefer milk chocolate. They prefer it sweet. I mean, the thing about chocolates though, is that they can have all these different flavors because they are prepared to different ways. Right. So why does coffee wind up with all these different flavors? Same reason. So it's prepared different ways. It is. Yeah. Or it's going to be affected by the latitude where it grows, the soil that it grows in, how much sun it got that year, how much rain it got that year. Was there any shade cover? Was there was there any migratory birds in the area that were that were helping influence? I mean, there's a hundred transient nutrients were in the soil, right? And that would depend on the rain. If if it was, if it was a heavy rainy season, it would it would wash a lot of those 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 minerals out, and it would it might make the coffee taste better. It might make it taste worse. But then and another concern these days is that a lot of farmers, they actually produce their coffee plants in like rows of fields, mm-hmm. you know, so they have crops of coffee and that's how they mass produce a lot of coffee for the chipper coffees that you pick up at the store shop. Right. And that alone changes how coffee plants grow because that's not how they grow naturally. And when you do that, you're affecting, you're affecting the end result. And I would think it would ultimately turn out a negative effect. Yeah. 
it's like any agricultural product. Tomatoes, for instance. Um, They're pretty tricky. I have some growing in our backyard. And they're hit and miss. Yeah. <laughs> There's just some of them taste like tomatoes and some of them taste too tomatoey. Yeah. But if you went to the store and said, just give me some tomato, some tomato seeds or, or, and not knowing what they are, not knowing what variety they are, you just throw them into the ground. And three months later, you have tomatoes coming on the vine. They're going to look different. Some are going to be round, like, like a, like a beefsteak tomato. Others are going to be uh, kind of ovalish, like aroma tomato. Other ones are going to be small, like like marbles, cherry tomato. There's all sorts of different varieties within within the tomato realm. They're all of the tomato family, but they all have different size, shape, and flavor. Some are more watery than others. Some are less less acidic. Some are more acidic. I mean, there's there's variations within that. That all is because of a the type of plant, but 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 also where they were grown, how they were grown. Did you use any kind of fertilizers? Did you did you use any kind of um, pesticides? And then you pick the tomato off the plant and you do something with it. You prepare it. And that's going to influence the, the flavor of the tomato as well. Same with coffee. When they pick the coffee, when, when they pick the fruit off the, off the plant and they process it, how it's processed affects the flavor. And then how that processed bean is stored affects the flavor. And then how that stored bean is roasted affects the flavor. So there's, there's many different links in that chain from plant to cup that all sorts of different things within that within that cycle that will affect the flavor, some to the, the good, some to the bad. So I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the body aspects of the flavors and how medium and light and heavy aspects of the body influence the flavor wheel. So first, I want to say thanks again to Thresher Coffee for supporting Top Brew's podcast and the website. Thresher is the craft roaster from the heart of Dixie. They specialize in fresh roasts available that are made to order and deliver to your door within 48 hours of purchase. I love their coffees and receive my freshly roasted order every two weeks. I personally can vouch for their craftsmanship and my satisfaction from their delicious coffee. Thrasher has a medium, a medium dark, and a dark roast, as well as a specialty blend of medium dark and dark coffee beans. In just a few clicks at thrashercoffee.com. You get your favorite varieties by the pound and ship to you at their peak freshness. If you want to first give their handcrafted roasts a try, then just order by the pound, give it a try, and see what you like. Thrasher's premium coffee does not come at the premium price of other craft roasters. All the roasts are $17.99 plus $5 shipping on the total order when you subscribe to a regularly delivered pound or more pounds of your favorite roasts. Thrasher always treats you like the smart coffee enthusiast that you are, so Top Brew listeners get 10% off of their purchase with the coupon code TOPBREW at checkout. That's all one word, TOPBREW. So my thanks again to Thrasher Coffee for supporting the Top Brew podcast, which is the world's best coffee podcast. Okay, so back to the flavor wheel. Uh, counterculture doesn't have like the definitive you know, flavor will here. This is all true, universally speaking. It just so happens that they did a marvelous job putting their wheels together. Right. This is not exclusive to their coffees. This isn't unique to their coffees. And if you look at the top spectrum of the wheel, you have mostly the the lighter, the fruitier, and the vegetal varieties of all the flavor spectrum. And then on the low end of the wheel, you have the heavier, the earthier, the nuttier you know, the chocolatey flavors, mm -hmm. the, the stuff that is associated with heavier bodied coffees. And so you also have on the spectrum here, a little chart on the side that describes body of coffee. And it's broken into three groups. You have the light body, you have medium, and you have the heavy. 
And these are broken down to describe sort of like the consistency of the thickness of the coffee brew in, in the mouthfeel. Mouthfeel. So, right. so what you have here on the top end of the spectrum, if, if you would say that your coffee was almost too diluted, you have that it's a, it's a light, watery, tea-like, silky, slick, juicy body. Yeah, I, so. and and it's not on here, but I typically I typically refer to that as thin. I, I could see that as well. Yeah. Yes, perfect, perfect example. And now, if it was a little thicker, a a denser brew than the light section, that you may classify it as smooth or like two percent milk in consistency. It's it's syrupy. Not totally like true syrup, but just more so than the light-bodied coffees, and it it's got a round mouthfeel, meaning it like coats all the walls of your of the inside of your mouth, and then you have on the low end of the medium spectrum, you have you know creamy where it almost lingers in your mouth as you're swallowing it. It wants to stay behind a little bit. Yeah, medium is especially on this on this chart. Medium is a little bit hazy for me. If something's light or it's heavy. I those think, are very contrasting. I think, I think, yeah, I think, I think those are very easy to determine. Um, but but some of the descriptors they have on here for medium, I wouldn't describe it, it, if I put a coffee in my mouth and I and I would recognize that that I would say, well, it's it's somewhat syrupy. I would put that in the heavy category. I wouldn't I wouldn't consider a medium body coffee to be syrupy. I agree. But, as but well. I, I mean, I know what they're saying. I under, I understand why it's why it, it's where it's at. Like two percent milk. I don't consider two percent milk syrupy, but yet they're they're both in the in the medium category. At least in my mind, they're not they're not synonyms. I think that for a lot of the brews that you get from different kinds of coffee makers and coffee houses, their their end goal is to make something in the medium category because right. it'll appeal to the most people. Sure. Some some people that want things to be on the lighter side will just add a little bit extra cream. Right. And those people that like things to be more on the heavy side will just put a little less cream right. in their coffee. And having a coffee in the medium section is going to seem like just a balanced coffee, mm-hmm. one that can appeal to the most people. So on the low end of the spectrum, you know, maybe think, you know, th- this is the heavy group. And I'm thinking of French press coffee comes to mind immediately when I think of the heavy group. You have full-bodied, you have velvety, you have, <laughs> I don't think this is very descriptive. I would, I would rather big. they use more precise language, but they have big. Yeah. <laughs> And I guess it's sort of like it's overwhelming in your mouth. Like it seems like you have more in your mouth with every swallow because it's so it's almost concentrated, but it's not concentrated. Uh, Then you have chewy, you know, that again reminded me of the coffee presses where you might get some of the grit. Right. It's, It's not exactly, it doesn't have to have the grit in there, the sediment in the bottom of your French press coffee to be classified as chewy, but it certainly makes me think of that. Yeah, definitely how you make how you make the coffee is going to affect the body. If you're making it in a French press as opposed to a drip coffee pot or um, a V60 or or a Chemex or something like that, there's going to be a difference in body, you know, because they're they're just well, in fact, if you run it through a, a paper filter, there shouldn't be any of the of the grit in there in the cup. So it's going to it's going to be just a little bit getting a a heavy-bodied coffee out of a Chemex is is a sort of a hard thing to do because the coffee has to the coffee itself has to do all the work because the paper filter is going to going to sap up a lot of the body. Would you say it's easier body. though if it's a dark roast? If you had a dark roast with the Chemex it would be easier to get to the heavy body? Not necessarily. Um I mean that can certainly help 
but yeah, it doesn't it it doesn't necessarily follow that 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 dark roasts are always heavier. Another thing to consider is that after it's been roasted, the older the beans get, the less flavor they have, and the less of an impression on in the in the palate it's going to make inside of your mouth. Yeah, so. it's going to because the beans are going to over time the beans are going to get stale and they're going to tend to flatten out. And, and at a certain point, they start to produce those residual bad flavors like Band-Aids. Right. They, yeah, they can. And what I mean by flat is that it just it, it starts to lose any characteristics, any unique flavor characteristics that it had. It's so just something it just that may to, have been full-bodied that was in the heavy category starts to lighten up. Right. It ends up in the, the very tea-like category, subcategory of light just because it's so plain. Right. Right. I mean, like chocolate, if you get real genuine chocolate – I don't know what chocolate tastes like when it goes bad because I've never pushed the limits of old chocolate, but chocolate always tastes like chocolate. If you make it to be dark chocolate, it may lose its flavor, but that has more to do with the recipe and whether or not it was packaged, uh, you know, and sealed carefully. Mm -hmm. But in general, chocolate's going to just taste like what it was prepared to be. So if it's milk chocolate, I'd put that in the medium category in comparison that it's going to maintain its body quality over time. But coffee does not. Coffee is quick to lose its body and its f- f- flavors. And this is why freshness matters so much. This is why we keep talking about fresh roasted coffee. That's why Thrasher Coffee emphasizes fresh beans. Because the f- more fresh the beans are, the more flavors you get. Right. And the better mouth feel you get from the body of your coffee. Yeah, I mean, the way it was intended to be. It's it's like anything else. I mean, I mean, there's a reason why they sell day old bread at half the price. You know, because this was this is not as good as, as it was when it when it was not a day old. It it when it was fresh, this bread was amazing. A day old, it's still good. It's still fine. You can eat it. There's nothing necessarily wrong with it. But it's just it's not as good. Yeah, it's 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 less impressive than it, than it would have been 24 hours ago. So there is one other grouping of adjectives and intensifiers for coffee that they have on the taster's flavor wheel. Check those out for yourself if you're interested. Everything from crisp and bright down to quick and clean and soft, faint, and delicate is listed here. And they all represent different characteristics of your coffee. And I, I think that you should just check those out for yourself if you're more interested. There's so many little subcategories of the flavor wheel here that will surprise you. I, I thought I think it's very pleasant just to look at because you got cinnamon on one end of the spectrum, and on, then on the other you have mango, mm-hmm. and you also have grapefruit and hibiscus. I mean, dude, tobacco. It, has it occurred to you? All these flavors are rolled up into just one kind of beverage. It's yeah. a, it's amazing. It is amazing, and, and you don't really get this sort of thing if you have a specialty beverage like a latte, cappuccino, or mocha, where you get this flavor is with a more concentrated coffee beverage, something that is low on the additives and mostly about the flavor of the coffee itself. Yeah. That is one of the, the other important things to point out. If this is something that interests you and you want to, and you want to try your hand at it at home, if you don't typically drink black coffee, when you're using the flavor wheel, just keep it black because what you're tasting is the coffee, not, not the cream you put in it, not the sugar, not, not anything else that you, that you, that you stick into it. You want to just taste what the coffee itself has to offer and then take a, a couple sips of that, and if that's not your thing, fine. Add your add your milk, add your sugar after that. But at least you know then what that coffee by itself tastes like. And then try making that coffee with different with different waters. Try it with tap water. Try it with filtered water. Try it with distilled water, and see how that 
how that affects the flavor because because water is a big flavor component in all this. And if you're not used to shopping for specialty coffee, I think that this is one of the reasons why it's so attractive to the coffee enthusiasts is that they have discovered they can have all these different flavors from a variety of coffee sources. Mm -hmm. So you'll want to try out different specialty coffee brands, coffee, and see what interests you, but also discover a coffee that tastes, you know, floral in nature in, in a good way. Something that you would have never gotten from Dunkin' Donuts, something that you would have never gotten from Starbucks because they're trying to create uniformity. Right. They want coffee flavored coffee. They're looking for striking a balance in the dead center that's not especially fruity or spicy because they're not trying to offend anyone's tastes. They're right. trying to take the middle of the road. And whereas specialty coffee is not trying to do that. They're trying to go to the outer limits of what flavors can be and they want something very specific. Well, so. or, or they just want to let the coffee talk for itself. Yeah, and, absolutely. And some people may like it, some people may not. But this is what shade-grown Kenyan. This is this is what what this is. You may not like it. You may like it a lot. But this is what it is. It's it's um it's not not trying to be all things to all people. It's just it's just offering the coffee for what what it is. Just like a vintage of a wine. You know, this is this is the uh, 1999. You know, whatever Merlot. Um, it's going to taste different. If you tasted the 1999 and the 2000 side by side, they're going to taste different. They might be remarkably similar, but there's going to be, if you clear out your mind and you just actually concentrate on, on, on the flavors of each wine, you're going to be able to pick out nuances in it, differences. And from that, you can, you can say in your own mind, oh, well, actually, you know, now I, now I understand why, why these, why these, these uh, snooty people are always ordering the 1999 bottle as opposed to the, you know, the, the 2000, or whatever, because, because there is, there is a difference in flavor. Um, but if you're just, if you're just using it to wash down your steak, <laughs> the, the differences may not be all that important. So Eric, in our last moment here, I wanted to ask you, what are your favorite flavors on the wheel spectrum? Like if you could have just one grouping of flavors on a regular basis, or, you know, what are some flavors that have struck you in the past I know what they are for me, and um, I'm just curious to see what what strikes your fancy because you know we try so many different coffees mm -hmm. that are all over the spectrum. So what appeals to you most? Yeah, well, again, as I, as I said lots and lots of times before, coffee is a fruit. Coffee comes out of a of a cherry out of a out of a uh, um, a cherry off of the coffee plant. So it, it it is a fruit seed. So it's not surprising that that fruit on the uh, on on the flavor wheel here takes up easily a third of of the flavors so it's it's the biggest category on the flavor wheel fruit um and as i've as i've i i don't know what the what the proper word would would be but as i've acquired a different palette as i've as i've roasted coffee over the years i do prefer fruit flavors in my coffee when I say that, I'm not saying that 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 those are in addition to you. This is this is what the coffee bean itself. It has a fruit flavor in it, and again, processing has has all sorts of effects on that as well. How it's how it's processed, if it's washed or if it's or if it's naturally processed, it's it's going to make a big difference on on that fruit flavor. But for me, I think there's um there there's one coffee that that has been one of my all time favorites, and it was it was from a particular year. It had just a a subtle lime finish. Uh. And it was it was a outstanding. It was it was a great beginning, middle, and end. You know, it, it smelled great. Was it that was, the one that we shared that tasted like uh, like key lime pie? 
Yes, a couple months back. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, it was it was Oblivion Coffee, and it was it was it was a micro lot, which means that it was a, it was a small little part of a field. It was it was a very very small yield that they got from that year, but it was amazing. That to me still sticks out in my mind as one of my favorites because finished with that lime flavor, it felt clean. There wasn't these 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 lingering flavors left on your tongue and on your on your cheek. You know how how some coffee kind of coats your mouth and it and it leaves its presence known for a while. This one just finished clean and it was it was refreshing almost and and it was it was just amazing. So I would I'm, and I'm probably remembering it more so in my mind and 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 giving it higher marks than than maybe it it should have had. But it was it was just it was an overall great experience and I I, I really like that one. So I guess I would say lime. On the flavor wheel, we're talking about the fruit category, and in the fruit category, we're talking about citrus, and then in the citrus category, we're talking about lime. So <laughs> it's you know it's three three divisions down, but that's where I would put my flavor preference. I'll have to say my personal favorite it has to be the nut category. I I just love the flavor of nuts in a hot beverage. It's very comforting to me. I don't know why. It's more so than I don't I don't like nuts in my desserts. I d- I like nuts by themselves. You know, I don't want them in my brownies. I don't want them in my ice cream. I don't want them topping a parfait. But when I don't it, like them here or there. I don't like them anywhere. Exactly. But <laughs> if it's in a Dr. Seuss book, I could. Oh, I, I am. <laughs> well, when it comes to my coffee, though, it just somehow sings. It just it's so it's so pure. Mm-hmm. It's so it's so intensely enriching that it, it's almost like that's what coffee should taste like to me. Like it was so overwhelmingly good. I once had this cup of coffee that was very nutty. It seemed like cashews and almonds mm. that I drank a, the whole batch of my brew. I was going to share it with my wife and I, I just, I was like, I'm sorry. I, can't. I did not do. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was up in Colorado on vacation and I think it was a total fluke because we picked up a small bag of beans in a local, you know, small mom and pop grocery store. And went back to the hotel and I made myself some coffee while I was busy writing. And it was just divine. It was so out of this world. And I've never had any coffee quite that distinct since, but it was, it was far from balanced. It was very specific. It was like something nutty and I I didn't need any additives. I needed nothing to, to enhance it. It was just um, a wonderful experience. And anytime I can get coffees that strike me, as uh, nutty in nature, I'm usually pretty pleased with the one exception of walnuts because walnuts can be kind of bitter. Mm-hmm. And that for that reason, I try to steer clear of the bitterness in general just because I that's not something that's especially appealing to me. On the other end of the spectrum, I'm thinking about grapefruit. You know, there's some of the coffee varietals that, you know, strike you as citrusy, but they also have a bitter quality to it. Right. And you can tell the difference. It's subtle between this is just bad bitterness and this is something that is like bitterness enhancing the flavor. Mm -hmm. And that is something I don't like either. I just don't like either in any example. If it gets into the bitter bitterness, I'll try to dilute the coffee a little bit to take the edge off of the bitterness. And I don't ever add any sweeteners to make that happen. I'll just add a small hint of cream or just a little bit more hot water to take the edge off of it. But, Oddly uh, enough, and I know this is completely off topic, but sometimes a a bitter coffee, if it's if it's got an extreme amount of, of bitterness to it, if you put just a few grains of salt in, it'll it'll help it'll help neutralize that. Nice. Yeah. Okay. We'll have to try that next time. So make us a batch of some bitter coffee, Eric, and we'll test <laughs> that out. I don't make bitter coffee, Joe. <laughs> 
Um, well, that's going to wrap it up for this week, I do believe. This completes uh, episode 33 of the Top Brew Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You're the best listeners in the world. You can find the show notes for this week at topbrew.fm slash podcast slash 33. And if you want to show how much you enjoy the show, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at topbrewfm. And you can also find me there too. I'm underscore Joe Darnell. You can also find Top Brew on Facebook at facebook.com slash topbrewfm. And if you have a topic that you would like us to discuss on a future episode of Top Row, we would love for you to submit your questions to us. So feel free to send those in to us with a tweet. Uh, just use at Top Row FM or find the Facebook page and drop them in a comment there. And we'll be sure to talk about them next week or beyond. Lastly, I want to say thanks to Thrasher Coffee. This show is made possible by the support of sponsors. So enjoy Thrasher Coffee and let them know that you heard about them from us. Anytime that you want to try out their roasts, I know you will not be disappointed. So use the coupon code TOPBREW at checkout to get 10% off of your order and let them know that you heard about them through us. I am Joe Darnell. Thanks again for listening to Top Brew. <laughs>